0: Can you hear? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can the listeners hear us?
1: That I don't know.
0: Listeners, can you hear us? Crickets. Welcome in, folks, to the 68th episode of the Calvary Cast. We're almost to 70. That feels like a sig- significant milestone.
1: It's a big deal. Yeah. Did we ever think we'd make it this far?
0: Uh, I, I would propose that others are asking why have you made it this far? Yeah. <laughs> So,
1: it's probably a good assessment.
0: Yes. Well, welcome into the Calvary cast. Uh, this episode is taking place in the Hundred Acre Wood on a blustery, windy day. It is very blustery and windy outside, but we are warm inside here. I am uh, Christopher Robin, and you are Pooh Bear.
1: All right, I guess. <laughs> I like Tigger better, but.
0: Oh, okay. Or Tigger. Uh, actually, I'm Graham. He's Jess. Welcome in. What are we doing today?
1: We're talking about Ephesians three, and um, one of Paul's two prayers out of Ephesians there, uh, Ephesians three fourteen through twenty one. And um, I think the way we're going to begin that is you're gonna I'm gonna you're gonna set us up by reading it and maybe give us a little context yeah. of the whole chapter because he does start in verse fourteen with for this reason which means there's something that came before it that we might want to know as we're talking mm. through it.
0: And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So this passage is a... it's kind of a conclusion, actually, to what Paul has talked about earlier in chapter 2. The for this reason... Uh, in chapter 3, verse 1, he actually starts, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ, Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. So he's referring back to what he's talked about in chapter 2, which is the creation of the church, uh, where he says, you know, that in Christ, he's created one new man, of Jew and Gentile. He's broken down the dividing wall of hostility, uh, abolished the law of commandments and ordinances, might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. So, uh, in the book of Ephesians, Paul is putting forward the uh, grandeur of the church and what God has done in it. And he started in chapter 1 talking about just the the work God has done in uh, redeeming us and blessing us with every spiritual blessing and all these different things that we, that we have. So in chapter 2, he's expounded on that even more in the creation of the church. And then he goes into a giant parentheses in chapter 3, verses 2. 2 through 13, where he breaks off and he talks about his uh, role as a gospel minister. And he, uh, as a prisoner on behalf of the Gentiles, uh, he's been given the responsibility to communicate, to teach the mystery of the church. And then he he picks back up where he left off. So you could read chapter 3, verse 1, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus... And then you could go straight into verse fourteen. I bow my knees before the Father. So that's kind of, I think, the the flow of thought that is in this passage. Good. Yeah. Does that make sense? Help. Is that helpful?
1: Well, I think so. Yeah. He's, we. I guess we need to remember as Gentiles that this whole church thing is was a mystery yeah. hidden with God that He revealed. In the New Testament times in Christ, and then through his apostles, like Paul. And Paul, who is a Jew, obviously, and other Jews in the main, kind of miss this, mm-hmm. even though the Bible, of course, talks about blessings to the Gentiles all the way back to the call of Abram and. Genesis twelve, but there was something they, they missed a lot of this, right? And um, then, but then, this new man being formed, the right. body or the yeah, the body of Christ, exactly. the, the church is it was a mystery,
0: and and it's I don't think we understand quite the enmity and hostility that was there between like that, that Jew Gentile relationship, and how difficult it probably was in the minds of many of the first Christians to think, wait, the gospel goes to the Gentiles too; yeah. they're a part of this, and so. Just as an aside, like we think about this is uh, we think about race and issues like that in in cultural divisions in our church and in our country. The Bible speaks to that like and is there's that reality being addressed here and talks about what God has done to reconcile that
1: that's right, yeah, so very much
0: that was just for free.
1: Well, thank you for that, yeah, yeah I absolutely. Won't,
0: I won't charge you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so anyway, that's uh, that's good. And then in verses 14 and 21, of course, it's the prayer that he, we, he's expressing what he prays for when he mm. prays for them. Yeah. And... Um, and we know that because of verse 14, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And then he begins asking, essentially telling us what he asks the Father yeah. for the good of the Ephesian church. Yeah. I think that, you know, we can each maybe share a few things that stand out mm-hmm. to us about this. Mm-hmm. But um, I think this is one way it, it teaches us to pray, yeah. how to pray. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, and you'll notice all of the prayers in this, the requests in this one and in chapter one were spiritual in nature, yep. dealt with the inner man, the the growth mm-hmm. of the person in Christ, um, spiritual knowledge, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Whereas that's not to the neglect of physical issues that are, no. are, are are an issue. And there's other texts that speak to that, like in James, praying for mm-hmm. those who are sick and different things. But the priority does seem to be in Scripture when it comes to praying for spiritual matters yeah. and for spiritual growth. Yep. And transformation. So that's, um, that stands out to me. And then this is a way too, just on a practical level, Um, you know, you can pray for people you don't even know. Yes. Or you can pray for a church as a whole. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think we forget about that. Mm. Like, w- let's pray for our church as a whole. Yeah. And not just the individuals in it, though we want to pray, pray for individuals, yep. but praying, Paul's praying this for an entire
0: church. Right. Okay. <laughs> And I think, like, when I send out, just as a practical application to our church, when I send out our prayer email every week and I put in there the names of people and I try to put a, a passage of Scripture, use that, use a prayer like this to guide that. So you're praying for these people. I pray that they would be strengthened with power through the Spirit who is in them, that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. You pray that for them. Right. That's that's a, a right application of that.
1: Yeah, because we would know then... It's God's will. Exactly. You know, we always understand we have to pray according to God's will. And in particular situations, sometimes we don't know what that is, but mm. we know this is his will for his right. people. And so we can trust him to answer it. Yes. You know. So I think we think about this generally and just how to pray, pray for ourselves and the church and, and other Christians. Um, and, it, and it shows this dependency of Paul. Paul can teach them information, He can teach them the mystery of the church. He can talk to them about the love of Christ in the cross and the love of God for them. But he can't take that and drive it into their hearts. And so he prays, you know, like verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And uh, you may have, verse 18, strength to comprehend with all the saints, etc. In other words, what I'm trying to point out is that he's he's, he's asking God to do now what only God can do. We can transmit information. Paul can transmit information, but he can't change the heart. Mm. He has no access to the inner being. It's only through the Spirit of God that this change can come and where spiritual knowledge can come and a real comprehension of things. You know, uh, Calvin, in referencing this passage, John Calvin talked about that some some have Jesus in their head or in their mouth, but not in their heart. Mm -hmm. The idea is that must come from God. So, like, there are a lot of professing Christians who have, you know, the love of Christ in their head, like they would know about the love of Christ. They would know about, um, you know, God generally and the knowledge of God and the fullness of God and the glory of God. And they have head knowledge and they can even talk about that. But it has it infiltrated the heart by the Spirit? And I think that's different. That's what would be life-transforming, right? To know the love of Christ, mm. to be strengthened by God in such a way that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, mm. that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, right? So um th- that's why I think we're always on guard uh, uh, with Christians, uh, as Christians, is we are a people of truth, we're a people of facts, we're a people of, of, um, Bible verses and not head knowledge. And those things are great, but we have to always approach them understanding that God, if you don't take these and apply them into my heart and give me the ability to really capture it in my inner being, right. Then it's pretty useless information.
0: Hmm. You know, one thought that I have in relation to that because, again, and I just think this passage is set in the context of life in the local church. A way that you know the love of God and you're strengthened in this and and all that is by seeing that demonstrated and lived out in God's people. Um, As the church does what it's supposed to do, you see that. So I think, you know, uh, to go along with what you're saying... God has provided the means for us to know that and experience that in a very real way in in the life of the local church.
1: Yeah, like we're looking at in the judgment. If you, if you are showing kindness and mm-hmm. mercy to uh, a fellow Christian, you're doing that to Christ. And when they are doing that to you and you're experiencing the love of a fellow Christian, you're experiencing the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. Because it's in Christ that we have this love together. Yeah. So that's really uh good good way to put that
0: um well and that that connects with verse 17 right that you're rooted and grounded in love um John Stott talks about in his commentary on this he says you know there's two terms there uh, architectural the the being uh grounded which is like a firm foundation and the rooted is a agricultural term and so the the uh substance of your relationships amongst the body is that love for one another or they the uh the there's a the bindingness is the love that you have for one another because of your love for Christ.
1: That's right. Yeah, good.
0: Um something that jumped out to me just in in verse 15 as I think about just the um like the devotional nature of this prayer and thinking about who it is we're addressing in prayer and going to. He says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth, he says in verse 14, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Um, That phrase at first to me was a little confusing from whom every family. And I thought, well, is he referencing every person on earth? And I think a a better translation is actually from whom the whole family is is named. And so by that he's referencing the church. Mm. And that language of the, in heaven and on earth is the church triumphant, those who are in heaven now, and the church militant. So those of us that are still on march for King Jesus here, right? And so but the the thing that's so en- encouraging about that is that the Father knows us, right? He he knows each one of us we're, we're all uh, in him. We're, we're his children. That's the idea of being named after him, that we are uh, sons of God. And so there, I think there's a real uh, encouragement in that, that we can go to our Father, who is our Father, and who knows us by name uh, and and can answer our prayer.
1: Yeah, and I think that's good because we, in prayers like this and in the Bible, generally we learn that we are a people who are always in pursuit of the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. And, and yet he is not in the pursuit of the knowledge of us. (laughs) Like Mm, he knows us completely, you know, Psalm 139 works that out for us. Like there's, there's nothing he doesn't know about Mm. us. So even going to him, we know he knows about us Mm. and who we are. And, um, that's one way in which we go to him with assurance for more knowledge of him. Um, so ours is a pursuit. His is already complete, perfect, Mm. always known everything about us. Yeah. It is remarkable. And I think about just thinking about that when he says um, that in verse 18, we'd have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is a breadth and length and height and depth. And those phrases, um, I'm just finishing up a book by uh, John Bunyan on this very passage called Hmm. All Loves Excelling. And he takes those, connects those verse. Nineteen to know the love of Christ. Like, in other words, the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ for us, which makes a lot of sense. And he makes a lot yeah. of good comments in there about it, why he would describe it that way. It's mm. like this all-encompassing love for us. Mm-hmm. When we talk about the love of Christ, it's not our love of him. Mm. All Most would agree, I think it's his love for us, right, right? in that uh, understanding of that, and that Paul wants us to know the greatness of christ's love for us even though he points out that it surpasses knowledge so you're in this pursuit of the knowledge of the love of christ for you that you'll never fully attain because it Uh. surpasses knowledge you never exhaust it and john Bunyan talks about how important that is because you can find yourself in a situation where um if if it were possible you could have gotten your way out of the love of christ but because of its height and depth and breadth and length etc and uh it, the fact that it surpasses all knowledge, there isn't a time that the Christian can find themselves out of the love of Christ. So but it's that love for us that really is the pursuit uh, that we have. And I was thinking about this because uh, we often can talk about loving we'll say we love somebody or whatever, and and God the word tells us that God that God loves us, that Jesus loves us. But it's more than that. It's a demonstrated love that we get to see. So if we were to ask, how has God loved me in Christ and how has Christ loved me? Well, Paul put it this way. He loved me and gave himself mm. for me. And when we look at Christmas, just to apply this to the time of year we're in right now, uh, we are seeing the love of God demonstrated in the giving and sending of his son and the love of Christ, the love of the son for us in assuming human nature or or uh, adding, you know, adding on human nature, becoming man for us is a demonstration of his love. Hmm.
0: You know, I, that phrase surpasses knowledge makes me think, too, of well, what he says in verse 16. Out of the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. And then also back in verse 8, right, to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So there's this this common theme of the inexhaustible glories of Christ and what He's done. You know, Paul uh, says that they're you know they're beyond our complete searching out; uh, they're surpassing our ability to know. But it's the same. And it's from that vastness that God grants to us uh, the ability to be strengthened with his power through his spirit in your inner being. So it's kind of like this you'll never fully comprehend it because it's so vast and large, but that also, that vastness uh, out of that, God gives us the strength and uh, being strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner, inner being. Good. So he gives us things out of his vast resources. Yeah. Glory and grace.
1: Right. And they're inexhaustible resources. And, you know, verse 20 is that final reminder as you're praying these things, as Paul's praying him, he's reminding himself, you know, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. Uh, that idea of. In prayer, reminding ourselves of God's unlimited ability and um, that we can come to him with these things that we, we have no access to change someone else's heart or to grow them in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. We can't even do that for ourselves, but God is able. Mm-hmm. So we go to God who is able to do those things. And I was, I was reminded of uh, John Newton's uh, poem, about prayer in this way, thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring for his grace and power are such that none
0: can ever ask too much. Mm. Uh, It's funny, I was also thinking of a John Newton song in relation to these verses, the God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to Mm. perform. Yeah. Uh, Because I was thinking about that aspect where he says that he is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. And it got me thinking uh, we often ask god for specific things for him to do you know and and we we think about that like in context of healing mm-hmm. but oftentimes god's purposes are well they're they're always far greater than what we can imagine and so i think when we're we're praying this um in or praying for specific things like the lord is doing a million other things in whatever situation he is working in right and that would be the far more abundantly and so even in trials like suffering or illness or death or whatever it is we can say God is doing far more abundantly in that than we can ever ask or think we don't even know what to ask him for that's right. in those yeah. contexts right and so that's where I think John Newton's words apply when he says God moves in mysterious ways and uh, so that's that's what he's doing that's good um, the other thing I think is really cool, just in verse 20, uh, when he says, according to the power at work within us, um, th- I think that connects back to chapter 1 and the power of his resurrection, right? That he says, you have the same power, the Spirit of God indwelling you that raised Christ from the dead. That same power is working in you to produce these kinds of things. And boy, that's like, that's really encouraging for growth and change in our lives. That sure is. Cool. Anything else? I don't think
1: so. I I mean there's many more things we could talk about, but yeah. I think for this podcast I
0: should I good. think I think I would just well, I just came up with one other thing here, but in verse 21 I think you have to close it with this. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Uh the ultimate like goal in this is that God gets glory for himself as his people live as they should in his body, the church, right? And I think that's We have to keep that in mind. That's
1: good cool.
0: Well, thanks for listening. Uh, we hope this podcast has been helpful for you. If you're part of our church, we love to hear from you and your thoughts on the podcast. You can come up and talk to us on a Sunday morning. You can give us a phone call. You can send us a text. If you're outside the church, send us an email at calvarycast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Uh, if you have questions or comments or there's something you want us to discuss on the podcast, a passage of scripture, let us know. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. Until next time.